0: Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh.
1: I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. This is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides along the journey to RPG adventures.
2: We are all D&D role players and storytellers at heart. It's where we started out, and it's where we find ourselves most at home. So here in our main podcast episodes, we discuss the core rules, how to use them as written, and how to homebrew your own content to get the most out of your story. Because detailed settings, heroic characters... Vibrant NPCs and a focus on story over rules is what makes a campaign legendary.
0: A message from friends of the show
2: order up what's what's this oh it's fat magic a massive food and fantasy adventure for 5e
1: can i eat this that's right
2: it's packed with foodie subclasses culinary spells and a smorgasbord of fantastical food monstrosities
1: is this food or not head
0: to fatmagicorpg.com to support the kickstarter today
1: Oh, okay. Thanks.
0: Welcome everybody to today's episode. Today we are going to be tackling another player-centric topic. We are going to be talking tonight about, we're going to be talking about the feats in D&D 5e. And we're going to be talking about the feats that we love the feats that we don't love so much, and we're going to get into that in a lot of detail. We're going to talk about feats that are underused, overused, feats that are super situational, uh, and and can work in some in some builds, but not in other builds, and and that sort of thing. And we're going to talk about some of the logic behind that. Uh, but in general, tonight we're talking feats. You know, feats are one of those optional rules in Five E that I'm not even sure why they call it an optional rule anymore because everybody uses feats i don't think i have played in a 5e game that hasn't used feats
2: why wouldn't you
0: why wouldn't you exactly i mean we were we were talking about we were talking about this in in our pre-show notes about how you know systems like mind's eye theater too like you know they had their system of merits and flaws like the ability to take a mechanical advantage that is tailored to your character is like prime rib style flavor it's fantastic it's a really nice touch to be able to say yep you know what my character is a super sneaky character and thus i am taking the super sneaky feat that allows me to super sneak a little bit better than the average super sneak you know
2: skulker right spoiler alert
0: skulker right it's a fantastic example so uh
1: i really love the skulker feat and and to that i say Never underestimate the power of the sneaky sneak. Well,
0: let's so let's so let's dive right in here then. So so both of you gentlemen have now mentioned Skulker. I will uh, fully admit that Skulker was not one of the ones on my list, but that's okay because there's a lot of things in here. L- let's let's dive in here. Uh, you know, Glenn, you said it first. Let's let's start with you tonight. What is it that you love so much about Skulker?
2: Well, to be fair. I wasn't calling out Skulker as one that I specifically love. You were talking about the sneaky sneak feet. I was I was I was feeding the information, but that's okay cuz I do think it's cool. It may not have been one of the ones on my list, but point of fact, it was used as for the very first time by a player in my game that I ran this afternoon from 5 to 8. Okay. The key for to Skulker for her is the ability to hide even when you're only lightly obscured from the creature from which you're hiding, right? So basically what that means, if you can ostensibly stay, the bush that you're already kind of in is big enough to obscure you with only five feet of movement, barely even going anywhere, they have the opportunity to hide again. That's not something that somebody like a swashbuckler who wants to go in and out, and the character is a swashbuckler, um, can normally count on having the ability to do. You know, If the cover they have available is that close, it doesn't usually help them out. Also, her next favorite part about it was that if she misses with a ranged weapon, it doesn't reveal her position. She doesn't lose sneak. And that's what I think makes this a great feat. But the added bonus of dim light doesn't impose disadvantage on your wisdom checks that rely on sight, I think is cool. I think that loses a little bit of flavor because most DMs that I've played with to include myself, we tend not to pay enough attention to the difference between bright light, dim light, and darkness. Yeah. We just go from light to darkness, and dim light doesn't get as much play as it should.
0: So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take those two points. Lew and Nico, I'll get to you in just a second, because I know you said that you had love for the Skulker feed also. But I'm going to take those two points that you just mentioned, and I'm going to talk about them in reverse order. I think that the light conditions the, – the light condition in, uh, rules in 5e get overlooked for a couple of reasons – Complicated. Well, they're complicated, right? And and so it's hard it's hard to manage, right? If you're sitting at a game table, and especially if you're using I guess actually this would probably go either way, whether you're doing theater of the mind or using maps and figs, it's hard to replicate dim light. Easy enough to go ahead and replicate darkness, you just don't put the bad guys on the board, right? That's fine. But dim light is more difficult to go ahead and replicate in either condition. It's hard to kind of let people know what they're doing, right? Because if you're playing at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday, dim light's a hard thing to to. Give people the sense for. So that's kind of the first reason why I think that is. The second reason is I wonder how much of those types of rules have suffered from going online. You know, a lot of like virtual tabletops do the lighting conditions uh, for you and stuff like that. Like I know Roll Twenty does that, but some of the simpler ones don't do that. And so I wonder if there's some of that going on also. Is that like the the lighting the lighting rules in D and D have sort of been overlooked because they're complicated and it's hard to it's hard to make them real.
1: I agree with you. I think that there's um, there's challenges with the lighting rules. I think my take on it is the challenge is more systemic and at the way it was designed. I think that the lighting rules were designed for simplicity, which they master. They are fairly simple. The problem is, and where the complication comes in is, that the rules don't match the reality we actually live. And because of that, there's this constant tug and pull about that that doesn't make any sense. And while many of us try to say it's a game or play by the game rules, it is just enough of a complication to break the suspension of disbelief. If you're standing in front of a fire and it's dark all around you, how far out that light goes and whether it casts a shadow, the rules are very simple and straightforward. However, because they don't meet the conditions of reality. I think most people feel that and somehow feel it's bad because it doesn't make logical sense. And then when that happens, there's a dissonance and no DM, no storyteller wants to fight for three hours about how the firelight versus the, the torchlight works. So they make it even simpler than the rules are. You can see
0: Yeah, for you on Lewinik. I want to go ahead and talk about the other point. And that was that in the in the skulker feet in particular, and that's that one of the characteristics of that feat is absolutely fantastic. And I think we're going to see that model uh, throughout the list of feats that we're going to talk about today, that there is normally three or four criteria that come along with a particular feet. And one of those criteria is absolutely top shelf fantastic if it's a good feat. If it's not a good feat, it doesn't have kind of that star ability in the list, right? And I'm not talking about like, you know, like how feats will give you a plus one to an ability score or plus one to to one to a skill or something like that. Like I think that those are kind of mundane. But I mean like in in this case here, the ability to fire with a ranged weapon, miss, and not have that reveal your position is absolutely
1: the prime characteristic of the Skulker feat.
2: Absolutely. No, that that's the the key clutch thing right there.
1: It is straight-up gold, and the only thing that kept it out of my lists for, for best or certainly my honorable mentions list is because it doesn't work with every build. Like, it can work with every build, but I wouldn't necessarily spend a feat if I wasn't doing a rogue build.
2: Right, unless you were doing a rogue ranged character.
1: Or a gloom yeah. stalker. Like, I love the feat, but its application... Situational. I think situational in niche may be more narrow than this is. I think this is a bit broader than that, but it is certainly not universal. Every build does not truly benefit from this because if you're in gleaming armor and you glow, you know, and I don't think it has to. I think with my best of, aside from people who don't want to flavor things, the three I picked for best, every build benefits from. Every build. And I think that was the hallmark for me. My honorable mentions are filled with more of the ones that are, if I'm building X, X, Y, or Z, this works. If I'm building A, B, or C, that works. And that's kind of how I, in my head, that's how I did it. It doesn't necessarily mean they're bad. If I'm building a certain build, I am absolutely grabbing things from this list. If I'm building a rogue, a ranger, or uh, some kind of fighter, say like Hunter from the Bad
2: Batch, I'm getting skulker all damn day. <laughs> right. And see, that's where I got confused. Cause the way you were talking about it at first, it sounded like you were vehemently against feats that didn't go for everybody. And I'm like, no. that doesn't sound like Lee. <laughs> you know, no, now, no. now I'm with you. I yeah, guess. Cause, Cause it's not, it's not me. Those, those specific feats. That's where a lot of the flavor is going to come in, especially for the non-fighter yeah. classes yep. who don't get a thousand feats, you know, for the people who are only getting three or four in their characters lifetime, Those specific feats that are specific to their build are what are going to help make them stand out with that character. And yeah, it might not work for a mage to have crossbow expert, but if you're going for somebody who's using crossbows, it's a must-have.
0: I think a sorcerer with skulker actually would be, that'd be a really interesting build because again, it's that ability to fire off ranged attacks without losing their hide.
2: Sorcerer, I think, is another class that should get more feats because they're so light on a lot of other things that they get. Well, the, the magic
0: is so powerful, though. I think that that's probably- It is why, very powerful. You know. All right, so let's go ahead and get in here then. Uh, Leo and Nico. let's start with your best of category. Why don't you pick one from your best of category and tell us why you fed that.
1: So I'm going to pick observance. I absolutely love this feat. I'm a huge fan of- passive uh, perception and the passive abilities that, that characters get. And I. that's why I don't tend to dump stat. I will, I will use point by to build most of my characters when I'm allowed, simply because I do not want to dump stat. I would rather have a solid set of passive perceptions uh, uh, and passives in general. And observant kills it. Plus five to your passive perception. You are no matter what build you are, you've got your watch.
2: Right. That, that's a lot to your passive perception. That's you know, just,
1: just, just amazing. And if you put this on any kind of skill monkey build, I usually will get perception. It's one of my favorite skills to get. I like to notice things. Look, this is a game where you're dependent on a storyteller's description or you're dependent on visual cues on a on a, on a digital map or a, uh, on a fig board or within terrain features. And that can be hard. Uh, nothing for nothing. I, I'm, I'm a little bit longer in the tooth than I prefer to admit sometimes. My vision isn't always the greatest. And more so than I ever realized when I was a, a ute uh, was the fact that if you can see stuff coming, you can dodge it. <laughs> yeah. Or you can get in front of it. Uh, mm. And if you and, dodge a wrench, you can yeah. dodge a ball. Yeah. You know, and, and I can tell you that I love this feat. It does all the right things. Uh, and like I said, it works for every build. You can't right. pick a build for me that this isn't good for.
2: Now, you want to, and you could even get really specific too. Like you want to make a Sherlock Holmes style investigator, or maybe not quite Sherlock Holmes, but go with a thief catcher style thief. Yeah, who's proficient with perception has expertise in it, and then takes observant.
1: You're rock numbers in the twenties
2: before you're out of tier two. Right, you're like walking down the hallway and you spot the needle on the ground that somebody dropped. I mean,
0: and I I think that honestly the reason why this didn't appear like the way that you explain it is like how did I not put this in my best? Because you're absolutely right. The boost that you get to your passive perception and passive investigation skills are that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that it, I, I'm going to. uh I'm going to call myself out a little bit here. I think the reason why it didn't appear in my best is because I, as a storyteller, do not leverage passive checks enough that this slipped through my crack.
2: I've been focusing on it. So it was like something I picked right up on because I've been trying to train myself to pay more attention to the passives because um, I think it's a really cool concept that we didn't have before. And I'm really, really trying to focus in on it. So I picked this one up. It was right there at the top of my list, too. Lee. Yep,
1: cool. Pro, pro tip for storytellers out there create or make player character trackers and keep them at your ready while you're DMing on your side of the screen or in your uh, virtual setup. And the reason I say to do that is that way you don't have to ask your players for it. If you have your players passives easily available, then you can do that.
2: They don't even have to know there was a check
1: as a storyteller. I tend to make things harder to find because most of my players are hit to my game. They got, they got <laughs> it, right? They're hit to my hop. Yeah. Uh, so it is not infrequent that in a party I run, there's at least two or three player characters that have passes over twenties, sometime in tier two. But at the same time, you don't game around that. You game to that strength. While you do have to make your big bads better than that, you also want to make things that they do find. You want to give reward them right. for taking these things. Look, a player character who chose this seat has 20 to 30 other things they could have chosen. We're going to go over them today.
2: They're showing you what they want.
1: And and they chose this. So you need to celebrate that they chose this and make sure they're called out. That they're they're called out.
2: Yep. Nope, I like that. I like that. Celebrate that they chose this. I love that.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: I am going to... um, So, uh, Glenn, because you said that you also had Observant on uh, your list here, I'm going to go ahead and dive in with one of mine that that was on my best list, and then uh, we'll let you you deal with another one here. I'm going to talk about Defensive Duelist, which is a feat that allows you to add your proficiency bonus to your armor class if you get hit with a melee attack, and you can do it as a reaction. So basically, that's the I'm in melee. I got hit by the person. I don't want to get hit by the person. So I'm going to add my AC and still, and then try to miss. I think that it is something that scales with level. We talk about that all the time about how Mm -hmm. tying things to your proficiency bonus is a great way to scale uh, skills as a player. And the fact that it is a reaction that it basically, gives you that additional boost to your AC, you know, uh, as a reaction, I think is really really powerful. It does have some. It does have some things that, like you know, you have to have a high dexterity. You have to have. You have to be wielding a finesse weapon. There are so there are some things that kind of make it a little bit uh, a little bit unusual. But I also th- I, I think that that ability to go ahead and say, whoops, I just got hit by a melee attack." No, I didn't, and that it scales with your proficiency bonus. I think is a really really uh, really great way to write that and a really interesting uh, choice for a feat.
2: I agree completely. This one I actually have in my list of underplayed because I don't think it's used often. Yeah, totally. No, absolutely. Yeah. And it's actively part of a fighter build that I'm uh, creating for Marty's game that he's going to run to, let me take a little break from storytelling that I was mentioning to y'all earlier as, uh, because I'm making a dex-based fighter and this feat is perfect.
1: I love this feat, especially for fighters because it fits in and it's very good if you're building a, more melee rogue or more melee bard. Or hell, even if you're doing a, uh, a blade Warlock, this is solid depending on your choice for your uh, your pack weapon. I believe that it's exceptionally strong. Honestly, it didn't make the list more on the strengths of other things yes. less than on the weakness of this. It, it's right up there for me. I have, I have used it in several builds never felt like it
2: was a wasted choice speaking from the dex based fighter perspective for any other players out there if you're wondering whether or not you can make a dex based tank this is the feat that answers that question because the biggest thing that comes up when i talk about a dex based tank to people is you can't get your dex bonus above plus five so the best you're going to be able to do is like an 18 or so AC before you're getting into needing magical armor versus a dude who can throw on full plate and be at 21 with a shield. This is the answer to that. It's when you're hovering at that 17. So, you know, you're a little bit vulnerable and your DM says to you, does an 18 hit you? Ha 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 ha. Yep. This is the feat that lets you dodge those blows, lets you stand beside the guy and full plate.
0: Yep. No, absolutely. Um, so I wanted to go ahead and compare that with another feat in the list that's very that seems ostensibly similar, but I felt was much worse, and that's Second Chance, right? So Second Chance does come with an ASI increase, um, and it's a halfling-only feat, so it is it is also it's a, a little pigeonholed kind of in its application. But basically what Second Chance does is it allows you to force your, your opponent to, um, as a reaction, force them to re-roll their attack. But you can only do it once per short or long rest, so and that and so there's no scaling you don't get better at it as you go up in levels it's always kind of pushing it's it's just sort of Handing it back to the to the the creature that attacked you um, as a second, ch- literally as a second chance and stuff like that. So I really felt that defensive duelist was more applicable and uh, and a better feat overall than second chance uh, uh, for everything in there. Um and but uh, so Glenn, I think you you are exactly right. That defensive duelist is really one of those. It's underused. You don't see it used very often. I think it should be used more. So what about you? So what else did you have in your best list, Glenn?
2: Similar to observant, I also like alert. That's like number two on my list. Um, similar kind of concept. But in this instance, I like to play a lot of dex-based characters. I like to play a lot of fast characters. So this doesn't necessarily work for as well necessarily um, for somebody who's playing more of a strength-based fighter. But the bonus to initiative of plus five is solid. Yeah, if you're, if you're playing the type of class that needs to move early in the round to take decisive action, before the other guys get a chance to go, alert gets you a plus five bonus to your initiative. It also sets you up so you can no longer be surprised, even unless you're on, un- as long as you're conscious. So, unless you're unconscious, you cannot be surprised. So, when the dire wolves jump out from the bushes, and half the party is just standing there while they chomp for the first round. You're already in action.
0: Was it the cleric episode, or was it the mages of Strixhaven episode that we talked about? Um, a particular build that they can make. Uh, so, if if I am uh, if I'm attacking Liwanika, Glenn, you can make Liwanika prone to the type of attack that I'm throwing at it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and you can do that as a reaction. I think it was in the Cleric episode, but I don't remember the specifics. So please, somebody point out where we said this. But all that to go ahead and say, we talked about how the ability, how that, how strong that ability was when you can change where you're happening, wh- where you're placing that reaction based on your own initiative. The best way to go ahead and have the most opportunities to do that to your initiative is to be high in the initiative. So I can see how right. that, that plus five to initiative is – Sure, it doesn't scale, but much like observant, like a plus five to initiative is... Always good. It's always good, exactly. There's no there's no bad to having a
1: plus five in initiative, right?
2: And there's not a lot of ways that initiative scales for any class except thieves.
1: Yeah, fair, yeah. Unless you are adding to your dex, you can't make it better. And you could actually end up with a plus 10 to initiative if you ha- if you are that dex-based fighter. Yep. If he has the alert and the observant feet, and he's got the feats to do that, he's on top of it. Never, ever, ever getting surprised. Always going almost consistently, if you're talking to plus 10, almost consistently going to be in the top half of the initiative of anybody. Unless your DM is like rolling D20 Yahtzees uh, and 20s on those Yahtzees, you know, critical successes. That character is almost always going one, two or three, almost every time.
2: But like we were talking about uh, at the beginning of this episode or before this episode, I apologize. And we weren't even discussing feats specifically. We were just talking about individual levels of alertness and insomnia. Yep. Having this feat should mean that your character as elitely brought it up at that point when we were talking about it. He's like, you should have to roll to see if you have a level of exhaustion. Level of exhaustion you're never going to yeah. get a good night's sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Everything is going to wake you up.
1: Yeah. Every little thing should wake you up. And you know what? I may not mechanically punish somebody for that, But if a player character came to me and said, I really want to work this into my character, I've always got bags under my eyes. That would work. However, play something like a Warforged or an elf who doesn't need to sleep. Now, because their passes are always on, even when they're in those various states that uh, simulate sleep or what have you, now you're killing it. And I know this because I play a Warforged who has one of these two. Yeah, Uh, just dark droid.
0: Yeah, like you're just always on. Always on. right. Lewinia, keep on going. What's uh? What's the next one in your best category?
1: I love magic initiate. I just look. I I, I play a lot of martial classes and I love them, but I also love magic. I love it. I, I don't like I don't like many of the half or third casting subclasses. They're not among my favorite. Like I I'm on record. Uh, the trickster rogue is not my favorite. The Eldritch Knight, not my favorite, though I did end up liking it more after we did our episode than before I started our episode. Those aren't my things. However, this seat, I love it. I love it with martial classes. I love it with classes that have low spell counts, say Warlocks. Even if you were to do, I'm going to do Magic Initiate Warlock on top of a Warlock, get an extra cantrip, you get an extra first level spell. It's worth it.
2: Two cantrips.
1: Yeah, two cantrips, rather. You know, it is worth it. And, and if you're playing, let's say you're playing in a fantasy world and your character's from a, a high magic area, like, oh, my character's an elf, but I didn't take a lot of other things. Take this. Now you can say, well, all elves have magic of some kind. And it, you have this mechanical way to really blend into that coolness factor that is these things. And you can really pick the things that augment your character well with this. Mind sliver on um, a psychic Type character that doesn't have spells is awesome, and you can do it if you pick the correct type of initiate. Uh, and I, I just love this feat.
0: In Tasha's, we had that family of feats: the initiate and adept feats. We had like you know the fighter mm-hmm. initiate, the artificer initiate, the magic initiate, the meta magic adept feat. You know all these feats that kind of were, I'm character X, and I'm going to take a little bit from character Y and take it and bring it into my thing of that family I think magic initiate was the best the problem with the initiate feats that I had for me is that I just I wanted just a touch more right I wanted a little bit of chocolate on my strawberry I didn't just want the strawberry you know Stra- not that I don't I, I don't like strawberries so that's a bad example but that's you know like that's you know,
2: fair I'm with you though. you know
0: but that's but that's kind of that's kind of where I'm going with that and I think that you know yeah I think Taking Magic Initiate and putting it on a Magic class to go ahead and get more spells, yeah, that makes sense to me. But like for example, Fighter Initiate, uh, I actually put in my category of worst feats. And the reason why I put it in there is because you don't actually get enough to make the feat worth it. Like you get a little bit of the battle master in there, but not enough to actually make it. You only get one one of your your die. You only get two maneuvers, and so you get two maneuvers and one die. So you have to pick between which one you're going to use.
2: The one die is what killed it. The me. one die, die is what gave it killed it. Two dice. Yeah, it would have been worth it or let the die scale if, if the die scale would be fine.
0: well i mean or even if you say you no know, you pick two maneuvers you can use what each of them once per long rest or something like that right like take the die out of it altogether. I mean, although some of them need the die so i mean that that's fine too but like
2: right. so but you still need it for when you need to roll it that's right the it, exactly that. and so
0: like, that's the that's the thing with that is that i just wonder if with the initiative with the initiate feats if it was enough of a taste to actually make it worth it. And I I like your suggestion, but I just, eh, I, I just wish that there were a little bit more.
2: And I think it depends on what you're doing, where you're going, and which feat, because you're not wrong. The Marshall Initiate, it's crap. Magic Initiate is good. I agree with Lee. Um, and when he said coolness factor, he kind of summed it up. The Initiates, the Initiate feats are all about flavor. They were designed to let you custom build that character you want to emulate that wasn't quite just a straight fighter he had these little bits of extra you know whatever extra bits you want to throw in that's where a lot of these defeats come in in general magic initiate may be the strawberry i would present that i think that eldritch adept is the strawberry with some chocolate on it if you're building the right kind of build Uh, because the eldritch invocations just as picking up a one-time one-off basically constant ability almost like a superpower to be able to pick up devil's sight or for 120 feet. That's seeing a magical or non-magical darkness out to a difference of a distance of 120 feet. That's like dark vision on crack yeah. or picking up the, I don't remember the name of it, but it's the one that lets you change your shape, your uh, disguise, cast disguise self at will. And you can mm-hmm. constantly change your appearance. There's like so many different little pieces of cool flavor built into that, that you could just grab and put into any character. I think that one's strawberry with chocolate.
1: And I think it's weird that you don't like strawberries, but what can I say? I don't like chocolate.
0: <laughs> yeah. So. so there you go. So, yeah, you well, so in this instance,
2: I went out because I like both. Yeah. See, there, there you, you go. go.
0: Yeah. So that's uh, a, that, that's benefit for you. And, and I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, it's like, the one flaw to your build there, Lilanika, is going to be if I'm a Warlock and I take Magic Initiate, I take the Warlock spell. Um, I can ne- I can't regain that spell slot because it's in effect of giving me an additional spell slot, right? and additional spells, yeah. but I can't regain that through any of the, my normal regain spell slot mechanics except for resting because there's a there's a limit that says you can only use that feat once per long rest. So it's like it's only one, it's only ever one.
1: Well, that but it gives you a first level. That you cast. Yeah, totally. Differently. Yep. Like, so it's basically a one-shot hex that doesn't use your spell slot.
0: Yeah, I, I can see the benefits to it. I, I just, I, 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 but that's kind of where my point is, though. That like they're, they're just a taste, and they maybe could have had a little bit more
1: taste. I have, and I think you're probably right. Um, with me, because I've used this particular feat in so many builds quite successfully and quite enjoyably, that I love it. I think this is the kind of thing that could make uh, some subclasses some that I have challenges with. You put this on a arcane archer, and I think you're, you can do some cooler things with it. The cantrip piece is what I really like going sure. in with. It. I would choose to flavor your, um, you know, your Eldritch Blast. So when I'm out of my arcane arrows, then I would say, DM, hey, can we flavor my Eldritch Blast to always be like little energy? or force uh arrow shots so people can see that's
2: a really cool idea
1: that way i feel i could arcane archer like i said my biggest problem with arcane archer is you cannot arcane archer all the time this feat as long as your dm lets you flavor it so is that can't beat it yep can't beat it totally <laughs> all
0: right Glenn, what else is on your best list
2: so I've got a lot of things on my best list, but we seem to be heading towards things that get a little bit more specific. Nah, I'm not going to go that specific. Yeah, that's a little bit specific. Okay, Savage Attacker. All um, right. I think that if you're rolling a Barbarian, this should be on your character every single time. There's a lot of builds that it could go on. A lot of damage builds it could go on. But for Barbarians in particular, I think Savage Attacker is a must-have. Once per turn, when you roll damage for melee weapon attack, you can reroll the damage dice dice, and use either total that's
0: the power bit is the ability to go ahead and use either total because so many times you get to reroll and you have to take the second one
2: correct yeah this is advantage on damage dice yeah that that's, is sexy as hell it is pretty sweet and it's once per turn so it's not like once a day it's not like twice a short yeah. rest it's like it's once per turn every time you so attack. you've got two attacks it's not every time you attack it's say i've got say i can make two attacks in my attack action. My first attack, my second attack, this is when I roll damage dice. So I can only choose one time per turn. It's yeah. not going to be on every hit. Okay, no, that's fair. Otherwise, it would be overpowered. Correct me if I'm wrong. You have to
1: roll it at the same time, or do you get to see what you rolled first and then choose to engage? You, you can
2: re-roll. It says you can re-roll, not you must. You Excellent. can, you choose. So, so if you come out with a great one on your, on your first attack, don't use it. Re-roll it when the dice looks bad. Now you got something off.
0: Mm-hmm. How would this work with like uh, with like an attack of opportunity, right? Um, an attack of opportunity is not technically in your turn. Could you use this on an on an AOA? Yes.
2: Yeah, because it says once per turn, not yep. once on your turn. Yep.
0: Cool. I like it. I like. Actually, it.
2: I've changed my mind on every character that deals melee damage. This is sick. I'm going to pick,
0: Three, wow. exactly yeah. This, so this was this was joined in Tasha's by a bunch of feats that lets you do similar things, but none of them are this powerful. None of them are this powerful.
1: And here's a great way to build your party for all you players who are out there. If one party member is playing a battle a battle master who has the ability to grant attacks. You oh. said Battlemaster gives an attack to the barbarian, who's then taking a a, a a new attack based on that. Now you and that barbarian has this ability. All the better. There's some great synergies in there if you have the right characters built around each other. So right. especially when you Master- tried to
2: get that massive amount of damage to drop that opponent at that crucial time.
1: That's yeah. And
0: it only applies to melee attacks, uh, and there is no equivalent for ranged attacks, which I mean that's fine. Like that's that's you know, I'm not gonna not gonna lose too much sleep over that.
2: How no. can you savagely shoot a bow? I mean, that's just gonna hurt the bow.
0: No, fair, exactly. I mean, I, I just, think it works. I, I'm I'm <laughs> pointing out that it that it is exclusively. It is a little a melee
2: specific. Thing. Yeah. Yes.
1: It, it, I would I would say this, it only loses it in, in the um, in the case of throwing like a deck.
2: Because okay. I
1: think I think you can savagely throw a deck.
2: <laughs> yeah, or a hand axe, yeah, or a javelin, or a, or a, or a, spear. Or a
1: javelin or a spear. I think those can be done with some
2: savage ferocity. But I would make it. Would, I would let a care. I would let a player make an argument with me to apply it to a thrown weapon.
1: If we're in a game, we're homebrewing. Yeah, I would. I would allow that. I would allow it.
2: But the ranged players do get sharpshooter, which is pretty hot, hot too.
1: Yeah. Yes, that's fair. Okay, so
0: I am going to. Uh, this is actually a, a very similar. Uh, well, it's it doesn't do the same thing, but it kind of has a similar mechanic. Another one from my best list, uh, and another one from the player's handbook is durable. So durable gives you. you're you're plus one to constitution, which is always going to help you from a hit point point of view anyway, Um, but the cool thing is uh, that when you roll hit die to regain hit points, so basically we're talking on a a short rest when you're rolling your hit die, the minimum number of hit points you can regain from the roll is twice your constitution modifier, right? So it is allowing you to, you know, if you've got your constitution at 16, right, so that's that's a three, the minimum that you're going to get from number of hit points from from a short rest is six so it's it's really it's helping it's helping minimize the uh the impact of a poor roll when you're rolling to go ahead and regain hit points and especially as we're seeing uh as as we have been using short rest like I'm, i'm thinking about the the uh we haven't released this yet but Let's go ahead and just put it on on the AP. There is an incident where a short rest happens shortly thereafter, um, and certainly one of the characters would have been in a bad way if that character, when they chose to roll their four hit dice to you know to regain uh, after going down to zero to regain as many hit points as possible, boy would that character have been bummin' if they had rolled four ones because they barely would have been out of the out, out of the red at that point. This is a feat, this is a feat that. A Allows you to make sure that you are, you're not just standing up, you're bouncing
1: back. Uh, I love this seat. It has one of my absolute favorite things. Uh, and it's interesting. None of my top three actually had it, which is you still get a plus one uh, to, to your ability. It has, a great,
0: it has a great thing and you get a, and you get the ASI.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's brilliant. And look, if you're taking this, you're probably building a heart your character. So, you are probably throwing in, putting max 15 in your, uh, in your constitution. This is at uh, character gen that you're getting this seat, say variant human. Uh, you get this seat. Now you're at 16 right off the rip before anything else happens. That ain't wrong. Before you, you know, and then you've got your variant human stuff, you can toss another two on top of that. You, you, you are literally starting at 18 with a con. That's not a bad way to start a game if you're building the hardy fight. It's a great ability.
2: I'm afraid to talk about durable. I'm going to be honest. Okay. And it's not because I disagree with y'all. It's because too many people that DM for me have access to the information. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually ranked durable as one of the worst feats. I was like, why would anybody take durable? And I guess listening to you two talk, the reason is because in my play time in 5e so far, I have never been put in a situation where I needed to truly roll hit dice to recover hit points on a short rest. It's always been either we succeed in a long rest and are maxed back, or my healers do a good enough job and we kick everything's ass so fast um, that I'm never injured that much. Now, mind you, most of the characters that I play, with the exception of one, is not a frontline fighter so they don't always take a lot of hits from the perspective of the play experience i've had in 5e so far i'm like all right it might make you bounce back a little bit better but how often are you really going to need it i'm not sure i can let you as one of my dms respond to that
1: statement. <laughs> i am a- picking up what i am picking up what you're <laughs> yeah, laying down he's,
0: he's, he's laying down that you run weak-ass combats there uh lee wanika that's uh yeah, that's that's what, yeah. I'm, that's what i'm getting from this that's uh
2: not so, accurate <laughs> not accurate no, I- I'm laying down that I play character types that are so good at avoiding damage, I didn't see the value yeah, in this.
0: It's not so. that you're a bad storyteller. It's that he's a great player. Okay, I, I got it. Okay,
1: carry on. So here, here's what I have to say to you. As storytellers, we're all always learning. I have to I had to learn techniques to, one, celebrate choices players have made by by giving them things that they can deal with. But two, I also have to take into account that I, I run a sandbox game. And so, if people want to take a rest, I don't necessarily prevent them from doing that. If it makes sense, if they take all the precautions to make that rest possible, then I do that. I tend to find other ways to dissuade people from taking rest that may not be warranted, like exhaustion rules, uh, where you're sleeping is uncomfortable, so you don't get a good night's sleep. Everybody make a con save. So, somebody taking durable that's got a plus one to their constitution. This could be very helpful in that
2: situation. Oh, I like the plus one to con. Don't get me wrong. I love the yeah, abilities yeah. to do that.
1: Yeah. So, I, but I also think uh, with durable, as much as I love it, while everybody can benefit from the constitution, it is not necessarily the choice I would put into every character. That's fair.
2: It is specific. It is specific.
1: You yeah. know, if I'm if I'm building the live, wiry rogue or the live, wiry, dex based fighter, while this would be exceptionally helpful mechanically, tanking abilities and, and the like i don't know if it necessarily fits the theme there are several other feats that i may choose over it for that character
2: oh, oh dude sir. i built a i built a tank for one of my parties he's a half ogre named grog he could use this feat you're right for him it would be hot because he takes a lot of damage
1: yeah, yeah, yeah it is in it is on my short list to take for my war Battlemaster battle master hk because he's a big giant battle master, you know, who has powerful grip and does all these other things. The extra constitution point would not be wrong for him. I also have some other things that I'm planning on taking. All right, Looking at you alert. Have, have, <laughs> you
0: have, know. have at it then, uh, uh, Lewinika. So what else is in your best category?
1: I only put three in my best category. Ooh. and but I, Have we talked about I, all three? We have talked about have. all three because Glenn and I shared both alert and
0: objective. that's right. Well, I've I've got
1: one that, if
0: you don't have any more in your best category, Glenn, do you have any more in your best category?
2: uh, Let's hit your last best and then move on to worst, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or underplayed.
0: I am shocked. I am shocked and appalled that my co-hosts, my beloved friends, my co-hosts, did not put Lucky in their best feat category. There are very few feats in the game, better and more versatile and more needed for pretty much every character than Lucky. Tell me I'm wrong.
2: I'll be truthful. Lucky is an awesome feat. You're not wrong. And it made my long list of best feats. It didn't make my short list of best feats because even though Lucky could apply to any character, I'm a weird role player, right? I would only take the Lucky feat if I was playing the kind of character that it fit even though yeah. mechanically it could benefit That's everybody. That's fair, yeah. But unless yes. I was playing somebody who like, relied on his luck all the time and was constantly rubbing Lucky Charms or, you know, unless I built it into the character, I wouldn't take this feat just for its mechanics. It feels too much like metagaming to me.
0: Okay, well then don't call it- But power
2: well, level-wise, What if you don't awesome.
0: call it Lucky? What if you call it Talented? Does the same thing. L- Lucky's just a name. Lucky's just a name.
2: Nah, I don't see talent points working. I like Lucky. Fate points would work too if you came up with something mystical, and then I could apply it to other
1: characters. I'm right with Glenn on this. As much as I love fate, and I have used it
2: for one or two characters,
1: there are just so many characters. I'm like HK, Battlemaster Warforged. Yeah, he could use some luck. Really, could use some luck. Right. That's not the focus of where I'm role playing the character, so it just doesn't feel right. I have played characters that it worked. Just think of my all the characters I've played in Alanis. Most of them, no. For Ashton, yes. For Razan II, yes. For the rest of them, absolutely not. There are a number of characters where I think it would have fit, as well as there are just as many where I think it wouldn't. And mechanically, one of the strongest in the game, unquestionably. Is it one of my favorites? Do I put it in
2: most of my bills? Does it make the shortlist on most of my bills? Probably not. Nothing makes the shortlist on most of my builds because all of my builds wind up being very specific. But I'm also considering, I mean, mind you, right now I'm entertaining the concept of a character who's addicted to gambling but sucks at it. So he (laughs) couldn't be lucky.
0: That's just funny. Uh, Okay, so I mean, so that is very fair.
1: You could
2: homebrew unlucky. That, that
1: that is fair. And let the DM choose when. That's that's no. oh, that's just mean. That, and so now we're working into merits
2: that, and flaws for like I'll take this tasty. flaw if you that's give just, me one feet.
1: That's just mean. That that's stays actually, I probably could have more characters that did that and enjoy it more than the other way around. Uh,
0: so let me go ahead and, and, and put this in perspective. Cause I, I think that like Lewinika, you you talked a lot about how your best feats are the ones that you put in every character. There is a feat, and and you and I, we talked about it earlier today, there's a feat that I think is so used by every fighter build out there to the point that as great as the feat is, it is so overused to the point of, of kind of breaking that
2: flavor rule we should have done an overused category. I well, so
0: that. I did do an overused category. So that's, nice. it's almost like when we make our own rules, we can do these things. So it's, you know. Um, but Sentinel, Sentinel is such a good feat. And I get that mechanically it mm. is so strong, but damn, if every fighter at some point in their progression really just has to take it because of how, because of how useful it is to the point that I think that it, because not every fighter is a Sentinel. I mean, we talked about that when we did our fighter build episode. Not every right. not every fighter fits that mold, and yet every fighter is taking the Sentinel feat. And and so there are a couple of feats that I kind of put in this category. Um, and not to kind of not to hammer on our fighters too much, but I put great I put Great Weapon Master in here too. Because again, you got every fighter. They're getting up to like level twelve. They've had four feats at that point. They're taking Sentinel. They're taking Great Weapon Master again because of just because of how powerful they are. But not every fighter is a great is a great great weapon fighter like i can tell you as somebody who has done fighting before not everybody who picks up a great weapon is a great weapon fighter like that's you know it's a it's definitely that's definitely a thing but that's mobile was another one mobile is a great feat and so used overused wow so i just like i just like went off yeah
1: yeah you went off there and there's so much to unpack with that so I am going to agree with most of what you said and disagree with a portion of what you said. Uh, Sentinel is absolutely overused, and I'm calling myself out here. I had seen it used so often that I finally said I want to build something that uses this and see how cool it is. So my Battle Master, yes, has full arm master. Yes, has Sentinel. Yes, is about to take Great Weapon Great Weapon Master. I also have powerful grip. I actually put it on my arm. Bandwagon mentions. jumper. It is, it is a UA. The thought that I can use a glaive one-handed and get the max damage and then roll great weapon damage on it. Awesome. I have talked a it few times. super ti- cool, though. I have talked a few times at how it is hard, even though they get multiple attacks, for fighters' damage to scale and keep pace. This is about the only combination yep. that lets you do that. Uh, that. That's fair.
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: Uh, I truly accept and understand what you're saying but i gotta tell you it is bloody fun as hell
2: (laughs) it is is. bloody fun as hell and you built the class to lean into it you went with it it's not like Like, you just randomly stuck it on a fighter that you didn't build for that purpose So yeah, uh, that's where the issue, that's yeah. where the issue comes in there with uh mobile and sentinel and things like that being overplayed. And it's again looking at it from just a mechanic standpoint and metagaming your way to a min-max perspective and trying to ensure that you're the most powerful version of you that you can possibly be. Which, if that's what pushes your buttons and makes your socks go up and down, that's fine.
1: If that's your flavor of fun, have at it. I am blessed by having the bulk of my players not be that. They will actively choose non-maximized or optimized options that fit the flavor of character they like. And I love that about my players. And that is true about both games I run. It is true about the players that continue in my one-shot series that I run at Drinking and Dragons. I have been blessed with players who are about the story and about the character. So I find that it is not nearly as overused in the games I run as in the games that I play with random groups. Yep, that's right. right. When, I, when I play within my circle of friends, honestly, I am the first person I've seen in my circle of friends that has played all of this. I had one player in my game who started out, he had a character who didn't even take Polar Master. took a different UA uh, that was very similar to it, before they errated spears into Bull Arm Master. But he was doing this as a druid because it was cool, like the whole spear setting for charge, and he did a, co- a whole bunch of cool things. It's actually what gave me the idea, like, ooh, what if I max that out and put it on a fighter? That would be awesome. I hear what you're saying, and I absolutely agree. I think it's overused in the community as a whole. Uh, but for storytellers out there, certainly the ones that are listening and enjoying this podcast and, Uh, taking notes and writing us feedback and sending us comments and questions and uh, responding to us, take note. There's a way to build a group that doesn't do these things that don't make sense. Like I've never had to make a rule that says, don't take a feat that doesn't make sense. But if I have a player who asks me, what do you think about this? I simply tell them what I honestly think. You can certainly do it if you'd like, but does it really make sense for the character? That's my response. And nine times out of 10, if I respond like that, they choose not to do it. I don't have to put down
2: the iron fist and enforce my rule. Nor should you, honestly. I mean, if you have a player who comes to your table that wants to min-max and that's what the, what their jam is, so be it. Help them have fun, just like you help everybody else have fun. Absolutely. And maybe I- they'll rub elbows with some people and pick up that hey, if I start bringing in some of this role more, you know, like character-centric role-playing perspective, and I could have more fun.
1: I had a player character at one of my games who chose the, the chef when that first came out because he just <laughs> loved the I way love the that worked. And I think it's awesome and we'll get to my absolute love of this yeah. feet in a moment. But uh, what I really liked is I had the opportunity as we've been talking about as a storyteller to celebrate the choices people make. That player character utilizes that, utilized that feet all throughout the game. Even if he's not using it mechanically, uh, his character is always Whenever they're in a town, he wants to buy spices and stuff for the next meal. He cooks for the party, does all these things. Well, he used the ability uh, in conjunction with uh, the Ranger using Goodberry and doing some other things and using Ranger just became a druid, got some other cool spells to build this big meal that helped the party restore themselves. And they're actually in a fight where the fact that he had the chef beat and the choices he and as well as other players made is why the party is doing much better than I had actually planned on them doing at this stage of the game. Uh, And we're still in the middle of that, so I won't go into too many details, as uh, my co-host is one of the players there, but (laughs) let me tell
2: you. He helped cook that meal, too. He's not the one with the chef feet, but he and his raccoon added some fey magic to it.
1: Yeah, it was just awesome that we have a bunch of players at at my virtual table that will take the non-optimized route to make a better
2: game. That's kind of what I love about feet. If if, if you promote the right things, you'll get the right. And kudos back to you because it's awesome to play with a storyteller who, when two players impromptu decide that, hey, we're going to die tomorrow, or we're going to die later today, very probably, let's make a nice breakfast. And they make a big show of it just randomly for role play for fun to play with a storyteller who would then come up with a way to make that an end game reward for the role playing to give us the benefits that you did. And you said you wanted to keep it quiet and whatnot. So I'm not going to reveal any details unless you choose to. Um, hats off to you. It's exceptional. Immeasurable amounts of fun. I can't wait till the next session.
0: Yeah. I, I, I also love the chef feet. Uh, I put it in one of, in my underused uh, uh, categories, the thing, things that I wish people you would use more. Um, so I, I write with you uh, with the chef feet. Glenn, hit me up. Where, what, what you got in the ugly category?
2: So y'all kind of turned me around on durable. So I'm going to challenge y'all to see if you can turn me around on this one too. Mm -hmm. And most of the things that I nitpick with about when I pick my worst ones, it's not because the feet is bad. Mm -hmm. It's because there's something about it that either doesn't make sense or why would you spend the time or the, the feet on this feet?
0: Why would you spend the feet doing it? Yeah.
2: Or it's, this doesn't make any sense anymore it needs a rewrite based on the way that they've changed the way they're doing races or feats right. I dig it. all right so i'm gonna take you to tough it's a player's handbook feat, and it sounds okay on first read your hit point maximum increases by an amount equal to twice your level when you gain this feat why would you take it at level four you'd have to wait for level eight right i mean it makes no sense for that to i mean i get that they want it to scale but and then when you gain a level thereafter you get an additional two in my opinion based on the way feats come out now and the current power scale we're seeing this should be at least twice that on both ends.
1: Oh, I've always read that wrong. I thought it was always twice your maximum. Uh
0: no, no. your hit point maximum increases by an amount equal to twice your level one time when you get the feat and then every level you gain an additional 2 hit points. So it's like it's 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 an automatic it's a 2 point boost in your constitution modifier every time you level.
2: Yeah. Make it Make it four times your hit point level when you take it. So it's worth taking it at fourth level. Otherwise, why would you? Right. And then it needs to be rewritten so that it scales. Make that your hit point maximum increases every level by your proficiency bonus. Yep. I like that. So the higher you get, the tougher you get. Yep. Because by the time you're going from fifteenth to seventh to sixteenth level, do two hit points make any difference? Yes, in theory, they could be the difference between life and death, but it's two freaking
0: hit points. I mean, it's every level, so it's like if, so. If you take it at four, by the time you're fourteen, you've gained twenty additional hit points. Like that's
1: yeah. I was I would say you do one or the other, not both. Uh, I would be fine with either one. I think would work. So if you're going to increase what you get, so if it's four times your level, then I would leave it at uh, at at the uh, two hit points per level. If you're going to make it your proficiency bonus uh, per level then I would definitely say, by all means, leave the start where it is. And people just have to be smart and not take tough uh, before they're level at level four, take it at level eight or ten or whenever their second one is. And if you're a fighter, I'd probably take my third one in. I think one or the other would be for me.
2: Well, my role-playing heart wanted to take this feat as a variant human because I was designing a character and y'all will meet him as an NPC later and he may come out in a future publication. That was a human raised by Goliaths. And so playing with the Goliath children as he grew up, he would have to be tough. And I'm looking at this going, this makes no sense. Why would he take this? So in the end, I went with Tavern Brawler, which is underused <laughs> in See, my opinion.
1: I actually, I had
0: Tavern Brawler in my worst category, but that's, we'll, we'll get there.
1: My response to that, Glenn, would be, go ahead, take Durable early. And take this late. You take this as your very yep. human one, and then take tough at somewhere around level ten or whatever your your
2: ASI at that le- that level is. But you both agreed it needs a rewrite. The way it's written is yeah, crap.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah, no, absolutely. I, so I had it in my in my underused category, but now that you say that, you're right. There are there are flaws to it. You're absolutely right, and I get that's that's why it's
1: underused. <laughs> I think I think uh, the other reason why it's underused is because I believe this hits the list of the only feats you can get uh, one of the only feats you can get multiple times. So the idea uh-huh. is you don't take tough just once. The idea is you can take tough Man. early and often, and that I think is where that comes from. So, like if that's a variant
0: human, you could take it at like one, four, yeah. and eight. So you get it three yeah. times, you get also so you get, what's that? That's 30 hit points plus two per level, you know, two per, le, two per level and four for four of those levels. Yeah. I mean, I can. You,
2: you could take that one. I didn't realize you could take I that I believe that to be the case. I don't know if
1: that's been a out. That sounds like a great question for a rules written uh, Facebook group to, to throw that out there, the raw group and say, Hey, is can you take stuff more than once? I don't recall. I thought I read that
2: somewhere.
0: Hmm, interesting. Okay.
2: Well, let uh, me ask Google. Google yeah. knows all. Google knows
0: all. While well, you're uh, while well, you're asking the Google machine, uh, Lou and Nico, what have you got in your worst category?
2: Uh,
1: my worst category, I have say teleportation. Yep. Um, Absolutely. Me too. It wasn't there until we got Touch. Yeah. It was probably in a middle ground of cool if you needed it. I will probably Uh, never take it. Yeah. Uh, I think there's just so
0: many better ways to get that, what you get from that, even without Fate Touch. But yeah.
1: Absolutely. Well, hell, you can use Magic Initiate and basically do everything that that involves. You can just be a Uh, wizard
0: and get that. Like Misty's, yeah, anyway. Yeah.
1: But interestingly enough, I believe this falls into the area of some newer feats are basically, basically re rates of old feats. And so you could just get rid of it. Like if they were to ever do a five point, a five point five, or whatever, 5E, five e five point five, or or, or what, And they rewrote the feats in the player's handbook. This would be d- dumped. It
0: would just be good. It like, would just go.
1: Like, or or whatever. Just get rid of this altogether and go with fate touch as your option, because um, it covers all the right ground and does everything this does better. There's nothing in this that, that isn't better elsewhere.
2: No, right. no so argument the only the only feats you can take more than one time are the ones that specify in them that you can take it more than one time. So tough cannot be taken more than once.
0: Interesting. Okay, okay cool. All right, so uh, something else that I had in my worst category, and I struggled about whether or not to go ahead and put this in worst or just really Ooh. super uh, situational. Um, you really and You said you
2: had Tavern Brawler at the bottom. I you did have Tavern
0: up. Brawler in there. So I... I think Tavern Brawler is one of those feats that, again, sounds really great. But how often are you actually uh, – again, I struggled about wasn't enough to put it in worst or situational. It kind of fits into the same category as the one that I was going to talk about, right?
2: It's very situational. It's very You're situational.
0: How often are you actually going to use your unarmed strike – and, and, have, and have the D4 versus—so D4, you have a 50% chance of doing more damage than you do with your unarmed strike normally, right? So that, that benefit is not great. Um, but the thing that really gets me is that when you hit a creature with an unarmed strike or an improvised weapon on your turn, you can use a bonus action to attempt to grapple the target. And while on face value that sounds really great, let me ask you this. Why would you take your action to do a D4 points of damage and then bo- uh, then burn a bonus action to try to grapple it when on your action, you can just make a strength check to grapple your opponent? Why burn the bonus action to grapple? That's what doesn't
1: make sense for me. If you are a fighter and you are getting multiple mm-hmm. actions, let's say you're a level where you get two attacks. You are now in this situation where you're grappling unarmed or whatever or fighting unarmed. You're doing unarmed strike damage at d4. You then burn the bonus action to grapple so you don't waste your action. That means you do damage for each of your attacks. And the grapple, which does not do damage, just creates a condition, is not burning your ability to do damage. That's why you do it.
0: I think as a fighter there are plenty of bonus action options that do damage that are
1: better. I'm not saying they're not. They're better but I'm than saying, the D4. Right what i'm saying however is you don't get to grapple as a bonus action which right. means you, you are straight. you can grapple or, or you attack. can damage you can't do both unless you have one.
0: okay so here so here's your, so your situation is i get two attacks right i do an unarmed strike with my first attack i grapple with a bonus and then i have my second attack right that that's what you're saying
1: i'm saying you you can do that but with this feat you can sword twice then grapple
0: no you can't because it has oh, to be an unarmed okay. strike or an improvised weapon.
1: So you can, so you can, you can sword, you can unarmed, then grapple.
0: Okay, my point is that because as a fighter, there are so many options for doing your regular damage as a bonus action. Why would you sword unarmed grapple when you could sword grapple sword?
1: Because when I have the character restrained, uh, uh, restrained it's automatic advantage for everybody else who hits. It. Right,
0: so you still get to grapple, but you get to do more damage. Why right. Why would you sword unarmed grapple when you can sword grapple sword?
1: So let me run this past you. Two scenarios. I can sword sword, no grapple, mm-hmm. or I can sword grapple if I have. It. And then sword
0: again with a bonus action because you're a fighter and you can do that.
1: In- no, you can't. You, your bonus action is limited you, uh, unless you have as that. A fighter, as a fighter,
0: you get plenty of actions to go ahead and attack with your bonus no, action.
1: No, no, no. But your bonus action. Uh, again, your bonus action cannot be used with that weapon unless that weapon you have a weapon in your offhand. At which point you're not even getting your, your 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 attack your your attack modifier. Your attacks come not from a bonus action; they come from being able to attack twice with your attack action phase. That goes back to our argument about how badly it's worded. Your attack phase, you get one attack two attacks at a later level, three attacks at a later level, and finally four attacks. Those are your attack phases. None of those are your bonus action. Your bonus action sits over here in a separate category. This allows you to use your bonus action. Now, it's pointless if you're a battle master because almost everything you do with with your dice are going to be with bonus actions or reactions. But if you're a non-battle master, non-eldritch knight, you uh, the of uh, the rest of the subclasses have much less bonus action actions your bonus action is fairly unless you're a polearm master then you can bonus action with the butt of your weapon that's a bonus action right and that and, and that's a d4 anyway so if you're in a fight where you've got four attacks let's say you take one of your attacks to do unarmed, at least you're gonna do a little bit of damage versus no damage now you've grappled them the rest of the party gets to hit harder that's a good choice. It's situational, but it's a good choice. I I, I just think that the the op the uh, okay.
2: So let me tell you why I like it. Yeah, go ahead. Totally different than y'all. This whole big debate y'all went down. Um, and I acknowledge that it is uh situational. It's a little niche, and it's flavor, but. It's common flavor that a lot of players like to role play. So why the hell wouldn't you take the feat for it anyway, right? So you're getting a plus one to your con or your strength. So you're getting that half stat increase bone that they're throwing. you right. Proficiency with improvised weapons, as opposed to being at disadvantage when you try to hit somebody with a chair. Now you can roll regular. Unarmed strike for a D4, because to be clear, the unarmed strike for a punch is one damage plus strength modifier. So as a strength-based fighter, getting a D4 plus strength-based modifier in a bar fight is hot. And when you hit a creature with an unarmed strike, you can use the bonus action to attempt the grapple. That part's kind of groovy, but mostly for me. And I came across this feat again while I was working on this human raised by Goliaths because this Goliath tribe that I was envisioning and I'm kind of inventing, you know, they, they wrestle, they fight, you know, they have contests of strength to keep warm. They do these kinds of things and it's friendly and it's fun. So now he's out of his environment. He's kind of an outlander and he's in a local tavern. And a guy is in his mind, just joking around. And the next thing you know, it's a fight because this guy doesn't you know, understand the rules of normal society. And he's going to start those bar fights and he's going to be, if he gets embarrassed because somebody makes him all, anyway, it was all about flavor and role play and fun. And I think it's underplayed for a lot of folk, because if you're going to be that guy who wants to step up to the scratch line and step into the bare knuckle fight club, This is the feat for you. I
1: also should add that if you're playing a champion, this also works because now that critical you get to roll, you get to double your dice so that d4 becomes a little bit higher. Again, relatively niche.
2: Every fight you get in isn't designed to kill the other person, you know, every time it's not. You were the other guy with your sword. Sometimes you have to settle things the old fashioned way right. with your fist. Here,
0: here's the problem. And Liwanika, here's the flaw in your argument grappled doesn't give everybody else advantage, restrained does. So instead of taking this feat, take the grappler feat.
1: When you successfully grapple, you are imposing the restrained no,
2: condition.
0: You're not. Restrained is the next. No, that's level. pen.
2: You have, the have next to pen level. your opponent to restrain them. Yep.
0: Grappled just means that their speed is zero.
2: Okay. But if you thought Grapple got the pen, then I totally get where you were coming yep, from.
0: Yep, totally, absolutely, yeah. That's that, That's why that didn't make sense to me. I was like, well, I'll, Grapple just reduces their speed to zero.
1: So, slightly less good, but I still like it for the flavor reason. The flavor's but that, great, sure. I, but- I just, I, I don't think it, to me, it never felt too worst. Like, I thought it was better than worst.
2: I just, just the first three were enough for me. The last one was meh.
0: Everything else in my worst category Basically, fell into the there are better ways to get this thing rather than burning a feat, right? Mm. It's like it's why I don't like fate. Why, why I don't didn't like fate teleportation, right? Because it's like I don't if I'm in okay. So I'm an elf and I learn Sylvan. That's not
2: and you get Misty Step.
0: I get Misty Step, right? And which I can, which as an elf, there are a hundred ways that I can get Misty Step. Even before there was fate touched, I, there are a hundred ways that I can get I can get Misty Step. All right. We've been going on for a while here, so let's go around. Let's all of us one more. Good, bad, ugly, whatever it is that we want to go ahead and talk about.
1: Before we get to the one more, I do want to say one of my worst was mounted combat. And that oh, has to absolutely. Do with how, mounted with how, how infrequently mounted combat is in the game because they wrote rules for shit for mounted combat.
0: Yep. Totally agree with you. I, I also had mounted combat for exactly the same reason in my list of worst. Yep. Totally. Agree. I
2: agree, but I also consider it underplayed because the amount of combat rules are a pain in the ass so dms don't reward players who take it so nobody wants to take it and if you have a player who takes it it can be tough if only one of them does cuz what's the one guy going to do gallop in and out of combat
0: exactly right and like and so like you've got one player on a horse and nobody else is on a horse like that's like
1: you know
2: everybody else has to get off their horse to fight
1: we previously had an episode where i talked about how cool it would be to do some kind of horse uh barbarian tribe Riders of rohan yeah Mm -hmm. yeah or uh in in the steps or something like uh the early aughts uh king arthur and where the whole party is mounted in that case it would use it the only challenge then is everybody would likely have it, so it'd be at that point it's like it it would be as dm fiat everybody has it everybody has it exactly
2: yeah 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 yeah, build a Knights of the Grail kind of thing, and yep. send them yeah. out on a quest. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah. My other worst was skilled, and that's just because just play a bar, or just play rogue. Like don't take a feat.
0: Well, hold on here, but wait a minute. So you like magic initiate because it allows you as a fighter to dabble in magic stuff, but mm-hmm. you don't like skilled, which
1: allows you as a fighter to dabble into rogue stuff. And so here's why, um, and and, I, and this is this is the why. You basically gain proficiency in three skills. Yeah. That's it. Okay. So at the level you're about to get a feat, all you do is gain three skills. It would be better to do a level dip into Rogue, get your extra skills, get an expertise in one of those skills, and then next level, get your feat anyway. It's just better to work around it by doing a a, a level one dip. And at that point, now yep. you got your cake and you ate it too. Since no one's going to level 20 anyway, all you've done is yep. reduce your top end by by by, uh, by one.
0: Imagine playing a barbarian, which tops out at 14 anyway, right? And then yeah. you you'd take a dip into into rogue. Yeah, that's, that's and, kind of and, sexy. And,
1: and further, you also just gave your fighter sneak attack. Yep, which goes on your total class level so let's say you don't get that to level four and now you become a level five when you get your feet by the time you're level five and get your fighter feet anyway you're now at the point where you're getting your 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 level five sneak attack damage on top of your fighter stuff and you got all the same skills that's why i put it in the worst because it's easily worked around there's no class where you would want to take that where a level dip for one level isn't better
0: all right. So, let's go around then. Uh, we're we we're quickly uh, kind of running through our list here. So, let's go around the room. Everybody pick one more feat that they want to go ahead and talk about. Good, bad, ugly, whatever it is that you want to talk about, pick one. Uh, Glenn, let's go ahead and start with you, sir. Uh, what is your last feat of the evening?
2: So, my last feat of the evening, if I'm only going to talk about one more, it's very specific, but I got to go with Crossbow Master. Mm-hmm or crossbow expert, I apologize, because it's it makes the crossbow a useful weapon yep. beyond just being the light crossbow that the wizard holds and yeah. fires occasionally, right?
0: Crossbow comes with a lot of negatives, yeah,
2: yeah. It does, and I get why, but there's lots of ways that you can come up with to go around them. And it does stretch believability a tiny bit with letting you ignore the, pro- the loading property for hand crossbows and in theory, fire one in each hand dual wielding and constantly reload them. So it does does stretch the possibilities of what seems plausible unless you come up with creative ways to flavor that, which I have loads of ideas for. Um, But taking a ranger and putting a heavy crossbow in their hands or any character, a fighter who's using a heavy crossbow now instead of uh, a longbow, you got good range, you've got great damage, and you can now use it more than once around. You can use it for each of your attacks instead of only... Okay, I shoot once, and even though I have three attacks, I guess I'm just going to stand here as the fighter and wait for them to run towards me. So I think Crossbow Expert brings a lot to the table for a number of different classes, and I'm kind of building a character around it right now, aside from Bodhi, who already kind of uses it. But if I'd built Bodhi from the ground up, he'd be the guy I'm building for the next game.
1: Nice. Okay. I love what you what you have there, Glenn, and uh, I actually grouped it in Honorable Mentions along with Sharpshooter because... I just think they're absolutely inextricably linked. But the one thing I, the, what I really wish for this feat is it was written as you don't ignore the loading property, but you are so skilled as you can load fast enough to fire more than uh, multiple times in a single in a single term.
2: And, and that's um, the way you have to flavor it. But they're they're calling it mechanically. You, you don't have to. Yeah. It, you can ignore the property because you're so fast. And that's kind of up to us to flavor.
0: Luminica, what is your last feat of the evening?
1: So I'm going to start with on your file, stop, huh? Did it file, start huh? No, it's the prod, prodigy feat. <laughs> Come on, that was great. That was great. Uh, props. Oh. I love the prodigy feat. There is nothing wrong with this feat. I, it is single-handedly the reason why the bulk of my characters have been humans or half-elves because of my love of this feat. I have said it before and I'll say it again. I love me a skill monkey. And there is probably no better feat than this one for aiding in that endeavor. No matter what class you're playing, if you have access to this, you are doing much better. Uh, Whatever the skill that is the key skill for that. Being able to make that expertise, the extra the extra languages, the tools is amazing. You get one skill proficiency, you get one tool proficiency, and you get one language of your choice. Then you get to choose one skill in which you have proficiency with, and you have expertise in that skill. That's just a sweet feat. That's just a sweet feat. No matter what class you build, having that extra is awesome uh, and I think it's just one of those things that uh, is so cool that I just absolutely love it. Um, I think it's I put it in my underused category because I'm amazed at how few people actually take it. I think a lot of people shy away from uh, the lineage feats or the racial feats uh, because most of them are not that great and they totally miss this one. Also because half elves and humans are a bit overplayed so a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to play that. Everybody plays that.
2: Well, they should be since
1: they're the most common race. Exactly. But at the same time, I think it's because of all those reasons that this gets underused.
2: I'm not going to disagree with you. I like the feat. Um, I think Prodigy is very cool. For me, it is uh, specific to a type of character like Pyrrhal, the sorcerer that I played uh, that was so young in a game with you a long time ago, Lee. I don't know if you remember him. Mm-hmm. Um, he could have been a prodigy because that's the kind of character he was. He was a prodigy. A lot of my characters are more, you know, climb their way up out of the gutter, not because they're a prodigy, but just because they were determined. So role-playing flavor-wise, it's not a go-to for me, but it is an awesome feat.
1: Uh, and I hear what you're saying there. I have used it with many builds in different ways. Some builds, it's because of just that. This is a child prodigy. Though he's an adult now. He learned this stuff when he was young. Uh, that's usually when I take it early. If I take it mid or late, it's because I want to learn a new skill set. So like I'll be playing a, a character human or half-elf and he's in a party that has mostly uh spellcasters all so all of a sudden by being around spellcasters for four or five levels i get this level i'm going to take it so i can get the tool proficiencies i can get arcana or i've done it where i picked up lock picking and lock picking tools because of this character is following after the the rogue and learning how to do rogue things uh or uh, loves the ranger what the ranger can do so much so starts picking up survival or natural or, or whatever um i think it's a great way to be that extra buff character for the party where any skill that you see the party only has one of and uh struggles with from time to time you can very quickly no matter what level you are make sure that's the one you get expertise in and now all of a sudden you have learned to do this also by watching for x number of levels, and now the party has a backup to the prime. All and right, I just I love that.
0: Okay, so why not just take a level in rogue rather than taking
1: prodigy? Because you get a little bit more than this. Uh, like the rogue will get, you won't get the sneak attack. That is true. Uh, so there's that. But uh, because you're getting, you're gonna get the skill, the tool which you won't necessarily get all the time, depending on what class you were going into Rogue, you'll usually, I believe, only get the one skill. I don't think you get the tool also. So I think that's part of it. You get the language on top of it. So also, if you're talking about a campaign where storyteller is dealing with languages, you can now pick up the language that nobody in the party speaks uh, or nobody in the party uh, or not enough people in the party speaks or you're in an area where you and only one other party member can speak. So now you can... Communicate when other people aren't aren't able to 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 tell what you're saying. I think those elements. I think it flavors a bit differently. I think you could certainly take rogue and be very close, if not better, under certain circumstances. But I I love the flavor of this one.
2: Okay, fair enough. Be a rogue who takes prodigy.
1: Every rogue I've ever played has prodigy. That's a human or half elf. Okay, I don't build human or half elf rogues without it because you're now talking a character that can have up to three or four levels of expertise. Uh, which is absolutely brilliant.
0: So the one that I wanted to go ahead and talk about, and I'm going to talk about this one from a point of view that, on face value, I want to love this feed a lot. I just wish that it was a little bit better, uh, and and so I'm I'm kind of like, how can we fix this, right? And it's inspiring leader. So and that's based on uh, a lot of the games that we have played in where. Old third edition and second edition style leadership ability was so important to the shape of that campaign. Um, So inspiring leader, basically spend 10 minutes inspiring your companion companions, choose up to six people within 30 feet that you can do this to. And then each creature gains uh, temporary hit points equal to your level plus your charisma modifier uh, a creature can't gain temporary hit points from this feed again until it has finished a short or long rest right so if you've got the time and you've got 20 people you can just kind of go from pod to pod the thing that gets me though is that it takes 10 minutes like that's that's a long time of game prep right and and so we're, we're, we're yeah and so and i I just don't think that the buff is enough to warrant that much time, and that's kind of where my point is. Is like I think that there's a lot of things that say you need to take a minute, basically to go ahead and take it out of combat rounds. Saying 10 minutes, I know that from like a, from an out from a a a time passage point of view, the difference between 10 minutes and one minute is pretty inconsequential. I just feel like that. I don't know. I I I feel like this could be better, and I'm just not sure exactly how.
2: No, ten minutes is huge. I mean, a combat round is success. six seconds. Six seconds, right? Ten yeah. rounds to a minute. Ten minutes, I mean, good that's lord. Rounds. You have, yeah. it, I mean, even watching Braveheart, Mel Gibson standing out there in front of all of the Scots, it's not like he spent ten minutes talking to them about freedom before exactly they charge. Right. That's more my he point. He spent like 45 seconds and said, Let's go.
1: I believe Cap did his speech in in Endgame in uh less than two minutes. Uh, and that's Cap. And and
2: even Rocket was like, he's really good at this, you know. But um I want to like it too, I'm right there with you. I want it to be awesome, but it I want to
1: like this. Anytime I play a leader uh, uh, within a party, I'm like, I want to take this. I know it's a shit, it, it's a shit feat, but I want to take it just to be able to say it's on my character. Yep. Which yep. basically means I would only do it as a fighter. Yeah. Because I, that's the only one. We want the I
2: title could. inspiring leader.
1: Yeah. Um. Look. I think the reason why they went 10 minutes in the because and when the game was first being built, they're like our mechanics, our spells are reactions, bonus actions, rituals. This is ritual length. So what they're saying is as a ritual, you can provide temporary hit points. Mechanically, it matches the rest of the game. perfectly. I think it's underwhelming because it breaks the suspension of disbelief. I think. They say it takes five minutes, so it's less than a ritual. They get into all kinds of issues. So why are some rituals this? And that's why they didn't do it. Yep. So that's if, right. was, if it was five minutes, then this doesn't break my suspension of disbelief. I'm all about it. You know, uh, and I think that's where the problem comes in with this. My dissonance is not just with that though. All it does is temporary hip points. If this if this also gave you a plus one ASI, and this, I would probably take it. And as a storyteller, I would let somebody flavor it. But at any rate, I think there's that. And or I would now, now that we have rules for it, allow for X number of sidekicks yep. per, per, per tier. <laughs> and, and, and that's how I would do it. I would basically turn this into it's three, three, five style leadership, uh, which is was the leadership feat, which is what
2: this is based on. It was trying
1: to get there.
2: It just never got. It didn't have sidekicks. And that's hot, adding the sidekicks. What I would have done, though, is I would have just leaned right into the name they gave it, Inspiring Leader, and I would have used the mechanic they built right into the game for inspiration. And I would just write this feat very simply as you spend one minute conducting a rousing speech, Braveheart style, Mel Gibson, they'll never take our freedom, and for the next hour – everybody has one use of inspiration that stacks on top of any DM awarded inspiration. I love and that. And he can affect a number of creatures equal to his proficiency bonus plus his charisma modifier.
1: It's kind of like bardic inspiration. Yeah.
2: I actually looked at this feed earlier and spent some time on it. And that's, that's yeah. what I came up
1: with. Yep. Yep. I actually like that better than my two, my fix. So uh, take my fixes, scrap them
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and use cleanse instead. Yeah.
2: Oh, I'm okay with tacking on a secondary where you also attract followers.
1: Yeah. I, I think attract followers and uh, throw an ASI, and this becomes one of the best feats in the game yep. between those three things. And none of those three things make this, this feat overpowering, but it makes it beautiful for mm. whoever wants to be the face of the party.
2: The proficiency. I mean, the, the inspiration thing, everybody getting basically a free reroll for the next hour in combat. Uh, that's kind of powerful
1: it is exceptionally powerful but i don't think
2: it's game breaking no not at all because everybody gets to choose when they use it as a storyteller who
1: consistently has to remember to award inspiration not that it isn't earned that's the challenge it is almost always earned at my table it is difficult to remember to grant it what i also feel is it is such a rare resource that players are constantly judging whether or not now's the time to use it so considering the mechanic is it goes away at the end of the session or the mm-hmm. end of the mission. I think a lot of inspiration goes unused because people are waiting to see if they should. So I think any mechanic that like this, where it stacks, as you said, would allow players to say, I've got two, I can use it. And I bet you would find both of them used better. Yeah, because but the game
0: already says you can't have more than one inspiration.
2: That's why in this instance, you would have to write it specifically into the feet as a rules exception but yeah. in this instance, it would. But I, that's why I kind of like it, because I think if there were two, you would at least get one used set in per procession. I can give you a storyteller way around that problem, because I've actually run into it and I'm getting better at it to train myself to award inspiration. I do it all the time. Every time somebody comes up with a good idea, I give them inspiration. And I keep trying to encourage them. I'm like, you can have inspiration if you don't already have it, is what I say now. Because all of them like, well, I already have it. I'm like, maybe you should use it sometimes.
1: I I, I can honestly say for as many, uh, I I have probably, I think the big dragon fight that my Monday night group is currently uh, in the middle of is probably the most used of of inspiration I've seen in in any of my parties at any given time. Uh, Like, I, I think it's actually been used a couple of times in this fight. And usually other than that, I, I might get one a game or what have you, but not often. I think people are saving it for the, oh, I think I'm going to die now. I yeah. need this tape. And they're saving it for that. So if they had to, I think we'd see it used more often. I don't think we'd see two used, but I think we'd see at least one use.
0: Thank you very much everybody. We hope that you enjoyed this uh, discussion uh, about feats. Uh, uh, less contentious than I feared that it was going to be, so I think we did, uh, we did pretty good gentlemen. But please,
2: yeah, I thought this was going to be stinky.
0: <laughs> uh, uh, please tell us. We got a little
1: re- tight on Chavimbar. bro. Uh,
0: that, that's fair. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you didn't like. Uh, tell us where we're right. Tell us where we're wrong. We'd love to go ahead and hear from you all. Yeah, and you know, feats. Keep using them. Uh, keep using the awesome ones. Stop using the awful ones.
1: You know, that's uh, general rules of general rules of thumb. I, I would say this though. I don't think this is the last you're going to hear of us doing feats because. I didn't. I only. No, we
2: clearly could have talked about this for a much
0: longer time. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: I only touched like three of my honorable mentions, so I think there's a whole other episode at some point in the future. Yeah,
0: if that's something that you want to see, let us know. Drop it in your comments if you want us to go ahead and do a deeper dive into feats or any other game mechanic. We are happy to do that. We love sitting down and talking rules, and so if you want, if there's specific rule mechanics that you want to hear us talk about. Let us know.
2: And we will try to take requests. So yeah, tell us something you want to hear about.
0: Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We hope that you enjoyed and we will talk to you again next time. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. You can join us at www.ttjourneys.com where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast.
2: And make sure you join our growing online community. You can follow us on Twitter at TT Journeys and join us on Facebook just by searching tabletop journeys there. You can also reach us by email at podcast at ttjourneys.com. And if you want to catch early access to our episodes and some of the other benefits we have coming down the pipeline, you can also support our production at patreon.com slash ttjourneys. If you're listening to us on Stitcher,
1: iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, Audible, or any other podcast platform we would really appreciate if you would like and subscribe to the podcast. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays and every Wednesdays. We'll feature our quest series, where we talk about pretty much
0: anything tabletop oriented. Thank you all so much for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the
1: words of another traveler on our path, we bid you shade and sweet water.